Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. gateway for awakening. 
It's not something to get rid of. Rather, the way we pay attention to self-aversion is actually the ground of the past. Welcome to America Meditating Radio. That was Tara Brock, accepting yourself just the way you are. Perhaps it's our lifelong endeavor to actually come to a place of real deep appreciation for the part that you've been born with, for the gender you're in, for the nationality you're given, for the religion you have either chosen or been born into, the language you speak, you know, all these great things, even the features on your face, the things you like, the way you dress, you know, what people say about you, all of it, all of it, like, accept yourself just the way you are. It always pleases me when you can join America Meditating Radio. We are now entering into our sixth year, and uh, we're also going to be looking forward to hosting a retreat for our guests coming up as well. So each day we have an opportunity to listen deeper with more intention in terms of what these thoughts are telling us we are to what extent are we having thoughts that are healthy and and moral and ethical and profoundly uplifting or are we also having thoughts that are the opposite to that and all of it is good because they're all playing out in our heads uh, definitely in the soul but the effort for us really is for us to be able to find the tools and techniques that can help us to serve the thoughts that are healing, to serve the thoughts that are uplifting, to serve the thoughts that are naturally connected to the nature of the soul. And that requires the, the rest of our lives. For the rest of our lives, we're going to be checking if our thoughts are true or not, if our thoughts are taking us upward or not. And that requires attention, 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 attention. And if we're not paying attention to the thoughts that we're having, to the way that we're feeling, observing the choices that we're making and checking why do we make the choices that we do. If we don't keep paying attention, then you'll start to naturally build up the sense of tension inside. You know, you start to wear masks. You don't feel genuine. You're not able to really be who you want to be because there's tension. Today we're going to be having a conversation with Kathy Burns, who is looking at healing on horseback. Kathy Burns is the author of Schlepp, 
Finding Healing on Horseback in the Lower 48. She majored in painting at Philadelphia College of Arts and entered the printing industry as a paste-up artist, making her way to sales in New York City and later becoming a stay-at-home mom. In 2004, Kathy bought her first horse, Dreamy. Riding became her passion. Later, at the age of 59, Kathy filed for divorce and set off on her journey. Camping, riding, blogging in 43 states. Today, Kathy joins us to share her incredible story of her cross-country journey to escape an abusive past, but also how she gained a deeper confidence that she had never known. Welcome, Kathy Burns, to America Meditating Radio. Glad you could join us. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Kathy, your story is amazing. After filing for divorce, you set off on a journey which you refer to as schlep. Sounds like a cartoon. <laughs> Why did you decide to take a cross-country journey with two horses, truck, a horse trailer versus other options that you might have had? And, you know, share with our listeners what's the meaning actually of schlep. The word schlep is a Yiddish word. I'm from New York City, and uh, we use a lot of Jewish lingo. And it means carrying your crap from one place to the next, basically, which is what I was doing. But it stood for, to me, it stood for, to me, uh, soul-searching, home-seeking, liberating, equestrian praise. And the reason that I, I took off on the trip was I felt that I really didn't have any choice. I couldn't afford mm-hmm. to stay in Los Angeles where my children were based, and I knew my divorce was going to take a very long time. All our assets were frozen during the process. And I was in a very bad state emotionally. I felt like the wires in my brain had been tampered with. I couldn't, I had no organization to my thought. I would freeze up in panic uh, at least once a day. And I couldn't find a job in that state. I tried, but I, I couldn't find a job. And uh, so I had just come up with this idea, just kind of blurted it out at one point when I was in a desperate mood, and then again mentioned it to my therapist, who said that she thought it would be therapeutic and that I should do it. And Mm -hmm. when I asked if uh, that would be abandoning my children, uh, she said, you can't help your children in the state you're in. You need to get better first. Mm. So that's, that's why I did it. Well, what was that like? What did it, what, it must have been liberating. Later in the trip, I felt some liberation, but in the beginning, it was uh, very, very difficult. I had never gone horse camping before. I'd never owned a truck before, and I was driving this enormous rig that I was terrified of, of get my horses getting hurt in the back, and I did take a test trip and had couple of mishaps then caused damage to the trailer and then I took some truck driving lessons which helped a little bit but driving the trailer was very nerve-wracking and so I drove between states uh, so there were sometimes two three-day hauls between the different campgrounds right. so I spent a lot of time in the truck driving that thing um, but towards the end of the trip, I would say it was liberating. But in the beginning, it, it was almost like the fear intensity that was in my mind in, just intensified. But it mm-hmm. wasn't focused on the fears of I'm going to end up homeless, I'm, I'm going to uh, die alone, my husband's going to screw me, that kind of fear. It was, well, I mean, those, that stuff was still there, but 
in the forefront was like, I need to get to the next place. I need to feed the horses. And, uh, you know, is there any wild animals here that I shouldn't be afraid of? Are there any? Uh, is there a meth mm-hmm. lab near yeah. here that I need to avoid? That kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah, because this is a completely new experience. I mean, there you were in a marriage for many years. You've got children. Um, you're settled, and now all of a sudden everything's pulled from under you, and you don't know where to put your thoughts. So during your 13-month journey, what were you, – you've mentioned some of the physical challenges. Were there emotional challenges as well that you faced? Oh, yeah, well, my – Kids in particular, my daughter, uh, on a regular basis, would call me crying to, to come back home. Mm-hmm. So there was that tug. Uh, my oldest son w- was accusing me of like trying to put his dad's company out of business. So there was that. Uh, it was always constantly being tugged back to that. Plus, my father was in stage, had been diagnosed with stage four cancer, and halfway through the trip, my mother got cancer and died. I lost my dog. He died from cancer. Uh, cancer was like right. racking my world. So right. there were there were more things to deal with than when I set out. So. Sure, sure. So of course, well, just emotionally, there's just a lot of things when there's change. I understand that you also made a painting of a horse in each of the states that you visited. Now, do you still have those paintings, and and how did you actually carry them? Around were there small or large paintings? They were very small. I'm used to working in a pretty big format, so but I knew that for the trip, I knew I wanted to do a painting in each state. I had done one of a horse that I had in past trip in Idaho, and it, back before I left, and I thought, well, it would be really cool to do one in each state of the horses, and so I did. But I cut up masonite board to they were probably about 11 inches square, and mm-hmm. so that I had 50 of them. And that oh, nice. didn't actually take up that much space in the trailer. And I used acrylic mm. paint so that it wasn't going to be as messy uh, if the cat walked through the palette. And then uh, I had one cupboard that was just devoted to all my, my paint and the boards and the finished ones. And so, yes, I have uh, quite a few of them left. Still, I've sold sold a few. Uh, then when I got back to settle down, I, I started doing them over in a larger format in oils, and um, quite a few of those have sold already. There's Mm -hmm. a few special ones that I don't ever intend to sell, though. (laughs) Of course, of course. I can only imagine that. So how are you doing now? I mean, it's years later. How is the soul? How's the soul doing, Kathy? My soul is healed. My soul has found a home. I am... uh, some people would say I'm a Jesus freak. I, I read the Bible every day. Mm-hmm. Most of my friends are Christian. And I it has changed my life to have a, a purpose and to have, have a place in this world. I'm working on becoming a counselor at a crisis le- uh, pregnancy center. I, I do other ministries with my church. I Mm-hmm. talk to people in the grocery line. I mean, I'm just a different person. And wow. uh, I'm very happy. I'm single, but I, I'm very happy. And that's actually a huge achievement for me because even before I was married, I just, if I lost a boyfriend, I was, it was not very long before I had to have another one. I could not stand being alone. 
So really. the fact that I can be comfortable living alone is is monumental. Wow, that's fantastic. So that was the big shift for you, wasn't it? Yes, it was, yes. Mm-hmm. Was there anyone on your journey that you met that really stuck into in your memory? Yeah, people ask me this all the time, <laughs> and it's a hard question to answer because there were so many people that stuck that mm-hmm. stuck in my head. In general, it was the women that I met along the way that were the most influential to me. People asked if they could pray for me. No one had ever asked me that before. Um, they would tell me their stories of their trials in life and and how they overcame them, and they would tell me that I was inspiring to them. So it was a mm-hmm. mutual inspiration that would happen. They would uh, give me tips on all sorts of stuff about taking care of just the horses, my trailer, how to get to the next place, what roads to avoid, which campground would be a good choice in the next state. If uh, it was something mechanical, they'd send their husband over to fix it. (laughs) It uh, The women that I met were really incredible. And sitting around the campfire at night uh, talking about, you know, women's stuff, you know, our children. uh, It's just very different than your typical cowboy campfire sure. talk. Sure, I get that. I love that. I think that would be so sweet to do for myself too. <laughs> you know, the children tend to struggle the most when mom and dad seem to not be able to work it out. And I guess it's not until they become adults and get into the same situation will they really ever understand why sometimes, you know, you people just have to part ways. Mm-hmm. How did your children receive Schlepp, both as a journey and the book for them? Not well. <laughs> mm. They uh, they blamed, in the beginning, they definitely blamed me for the divorce, which I felt was so unfair. <laughs> but mm. uh, over time, they have all uh, come around and now understand at least why I, I in their words, blew up the family. The family had blown up years before, and it was just not all totally visible to them. Uh, as far as the book coming out, none of them have read it, and I doubt that any of them ever will. And because there are some things in it that would probably trigger some um, bad emotional stuff for them, and I changed all their right. names so that they would not be uh, recognized. Oh, Okay. And and how is your relationship now with the children? It's each one is very different. Mm. My daughter, who was very, very kind, was the kindest uh, of them all to me. Uh, I'm very close to her, although I don't see her that often. But mm-hmm. um, we are. I would say that we're close, and we have a, a really great relationship. My mm-hmm. oldest son is in has left the country and is not speaking to me. I believe Aww. he's having some emotional problems on top of everything, and I'm very concerned about him. But, you know, once your kids are adults, there's not a whole lot you can do legally anyway to help them or to get them to see the light or or change. So right. um, th- this has been a difficult walk uh, just lately about that for me, letting go. 
And my other mm. son is, uh, we have a very nice relationship, although, I, again, I don't see him very often either. My kids are, live in the city, and I'm several hours out of the city, and they think this is the middle of nowhere and boring. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Funny. Oh, wow, the kids are something else, aren't they? Yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> but how empty All my right. life would be if I didn't have them. I can't imagine how empty of my life course. would be without having them. Yeah. Of course, of course. With or without it not working the way you intended it. Oh, um, God, no. <laughs> yeah. You have uh, mentioned some of the abusive experiences that you went through, and I'd love our listeners to find out a little bit about what are some abusive red flags for anyone to look out for when starting a relationship. I don't know that. I mean, there were, if I look back at the very, very beginning of our relationship, I was such a headstrong workaholic uh, at the time, and so that I don't. I think there might have been some red flags, but I just dismissed them because I was superwoman. You know, <laughs> it wouldn't mm. matter to me that. And then, as long as I was working, it, it was pretty much like that. That status. He was, yeah, he was selfish and not very concerned about me. But when everything really changed was when I stopped working, and then the red flags became really obvious. But emotional abuse for me anyway, and from what I've heard from some other women, is that it happens slowly. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it sneaks up on you, and you get to a point at at some point when you go, hey, wait a minute, how did this get so bad? I can remember my dad saying to me, I can't believe you allowed this to get this bad. And I would say, you know, I I can't believe it either. (laughs) It's not funny, but I mean, I couldn't believe it either. So it... My therapist had explained it's like uh, if you put a frog in a pot of boiling water, he'll jump out. If you put a pot of water with the frog on the stove and then turn on the flame, the frog will stay in it and boil to death. Right, and that was right. pretty much pretty much that was a good enough uh, metaphor for what happened to me. Right, right. That's interesting. But uh, some of the things that you know my husband did was he he never hit me. At times, Mm -hmm. I had wanted him to because, to me, that was abuse. You know, I didn't know what emotional abuse was. Uh, I just would say, oh, he's really mean. But towards the end, it got so I thought I was crazy. But all Mm. finances were kept secret from me. It was a very controlling behavior. And and I was not an angel at that point either. I mean, I fought back. I I mean, I I didn't like any of the, the restrictions or the the treatment, but um, the thing I think that added the craziness to it was that he lied, Like, he, I, and I found it hard to believe in the beginning when I would catch him in lies that somebody would actually lie because I was raised that you just do not ever under any circumstances lie, and right. so when someone lies to you, it's hard to put into words, but it's like it's like a whole new reality. The like somebody else see does like he does does he believe these things that he's saying to me, or how can he mm-hmm. deny saying that he just said it five minutes ago and three other people heard it? You know, it's mm-hmm. so it's it's kind of crazy making. Mm-hmm. Um, it sometimes it's hard because they don't seem to show that you know anything is going on, and even right now uh, it's become a very big issue about financial abuse in marriages where 
spouses do hold back from each other that financial freedom that they deserve, that they deserve. How has your attitude towards life and yourself changed after Schlepp? Massively? Oh, massively. I mean, there are good people out there. I had, I had gotten to the point, well, I was so isolated and, and and so fragmented in my mind that I just thought, oh, I'm never going to trust anybody ever again. And it's been five years since Schlepp is over, and mm-hmm. I I am now opening up to people. Just putting this book out there in public public eye has been, uh, it was very, I sat on it for a year. I was not going to publish it. I was too afraid of what people would think of me. And uh, just to get that, actually do it, uh, was a huge leap of leap of faith. But I'm not, another little thing was that, you know, I used to be the busiest person around. I, I couldn't sit down. I couldn't sit still. And it wasn't that I had a tremendous amount of energy. It was like I felt like if you sit down, you're lazy. And I've gotten to the point in my life where I can sit down. I can even take a nap and not feel guilty about it. <laughs> so there's so many aspects of my life that have changed. Plus, I'm getting older, uh, and you know, I think you do get a little wiser. I when you look as when you're living through your life, it does feel. It definitely felt like just um, random events happening and stuff being thrown at me, chaos and. I look back on it and now with some perspective, and I can see that there was an order to it all. There was a plan to it all, which is is makes me have some peace. Yes, of course, of course. Yes, and we always figure that out afterwards. <laughs> yeah. You shared a lot today. Um, is there a main message that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Well, I would like any woman that feels trapped in a relationship that you have that you're never going to get out of it that you can rescue yourself. You don't have to sit around and wait for a hero to come in and rescue you. You can rescue yourself. You can rise to the occasion. You are much more capable than you realize uh and you will find a way to the other side too. If I can do it in the messy state that I was in, anybody can. Mm, beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. So you still have your horses and you're still riding? I do. I don't ride the hour-long, three-hour-long rides that I used to every day, but I do have um, three horses, and I've got my property in the mountains where I'm looking at them right now out my window as I'm talking to you, and they... Uh, Riding them is is fabulous, and sitting on the porch and just watching them is fabulous. So, uh, yeah, they, they're still a great source of, of love for me. Oh, that's so beautiful. Well, look, Kathy, I really wish you all the very best. You're very heartfelt, and, you know, to be continued, to be continued. Keep us posted on all the amazing transformations that you're going through so that our so and listeners can learn through your experience as well, which is what we like to do here. Thank you very much for having me. I'll do that. You're very welcome. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wonderful lady, Kathy Burns, everyone. Go to her blog, schlep.blog. That's S-H-L-E-P dot B-L-O-G. You know, relationships come and they go. 
sometimes we're just not aware of the whole picture. Um, and when certain things fall apart, it's hard for us to accept maybe that's just not in our destiny. But then we realize when we look back 5, 10, 20 years later, definitely it wasn't in my destiny for this person, this thing, these people, this situation to have traveled with me. But prior to getting there, all the different emotional experiences and journeys and challenges and victories and defeats that we go through, well, it's all about life. It's all about why we're here. Hope you've enjoyed our conversation today on America Meditating Radio. And again, hope you enjoyed my chit-chat with Kathy Burns. Just to learn more about her, go to her blog, schlepper.blog, for more information. Because she talked about how much she loved to read her Bible and really connect a lot to God, you know, that's the part of her healing process, too. And very, very vital. I, I believe it's very, very vital. So just for her, I'm going to f- end the show with um, a beautiful song by Karen Jerker called Face of God. You take care of everyone and be kind to one another. You 
I'm Sister Jenna. You've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or on iTunes, 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have inner power to become our very best. When we listen with curiosity to learn more, we grow. So thanks so much for tuning in, and do be easy on yourself. Take care.